Deuteronomy 28. I have a coin in my pocket. It's just a quarter. Nothing too spectacular. There's two sides to this coin. Anybody know what the two sides are? Sorry, a little louder. Heads and tails. Okay? So I heard Paul. Paul, lucky you. Call it in the air. Are you ready? It's tails. Sorry about your luck. <clears throat> now, how many of you will call heads every single time? Raise your hand if you'll call heads every single time. Okay, we got one, a couple people, all right. How many of you call tails every single time? Okay, how many of you just literally don't care, have no idea where I'm going with this, a little confused? Okay, good. There's two sides to every coin, right? It's pretty simple. Okay, the question is, which one is right, heads or tails? Some of you like, oh, ah, it's tails every time. It used to be tails every time until I called tails every time, and it was heads every time. So I, I switched. I don't know if that's okay or not, but I switched, and so now it's heads every time for me. I just always call heads, and so that's just the fact of the matter. But which is right? You say, that's kind of a dumb question, Pastor Yeomans. It, there's not a right or a wrong one. But yet sometimes we think there is. Sometimes we think, well, yeah. If it was me, if it was my perspective, from my point of view, it always has to be this one. And so you, you, you may never truly understand which one is actually right or not, but in your mind, you have a preference. So I want you just to ponder that for a little bit. I want you to think about it. And meanwhile, I want to take you into our passage. Remember, Moses is from God, speaking commandments to the children of Israel. And he's giving them all kinds of things. We've looked at all kinds of things. And we looked, uh, uh, spent, uh, spent a great deal of time in their focus with God. All the way through this passage, he's been giving them very specific commands to the children of Israel. You can take the time to go through them. Spend as much time as you want there. They're very specific. They're very interesting. They make you think, why would God have them do that? But for the sake of this series and for the sake of what we're trying to accomplish here in conquering through Christ, we're going to skip over that and I want to go to the culmination of it all. I want to go to the conclusion of it all. And in his conclusion, Moses begins this way, number, or excuse me, Deuteronomy chapter 28. The Bible says this, And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Blessed shalt thou be in the city, and blessed shalt thou be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body, and the fruit of thy ground, and the fruit of thy cattle, the increase of thy kine, and the flocks of thy sheep. Blessed shall be thy basket and thy store. Blessed shalt thou be when thou comest in, and blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out. The Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way, and flee before thee seven ways." The Lord shall command the blessing 
upon thee in thy storehouses and in all that thou settest thine hand unto. And he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. The Lord shall establish thee and holy people unto himself as he has sworn unto thee. If thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God and walk in his ways. Verse 10. And all people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of thee. And the Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods, in, in the fruit of thy body, and in the fruit of thy cattle, and in the fruit of thy ground, in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers to give thee. And the Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure, the heaven, to give the rain unto thy land in his season, and to bless all the work of thine hand. And thou shalt lend unto many nations, and thou shalt not borrow. The Lord shall make thee the head, and not the tail. And thou shalt be above only, and thou shalt not be beneath. If, thou, if that thou hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God, which I command thee this day to observe and to do them. And thou shalt not go aside from any of the words which I command thee this day to the right hand or to the left, to go after other gods, to serve them. I'd like to preach to you a message that I've entitled, Flipping the Coin of Control. Flipping the Coin of Control. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll dive into this. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here this morning. I pray that you would give us great insight as to what it is, Father, that keeps us from serving you. I pray that you would help us to understand and help us to do something about it. Father, I pray that we would serve you with everything that we have. I pray that we would give it all to you. And Father, that you would bless us. Just like you promised the blessings of the children of Israel. And Father, thank you so much for dying on the cross. Thank you that we even have the opportunity to be blessed. We love you for it. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Flipping the coin of control. Did you notice there in verse 13, heads and tails? Did, did anybody else pick that up? Good, you guys are so with it, all right? First of all, before we even get any further, you guys are a little sluggish. I need you. You have to have your thinking caps on this morning. You have to be thinking because we're going to go through some things that are going to make you think. And I hope when you apply them to your life, you will be able to conquer through Christ. Okay, so I want you to really be thinking. Now, I want you to notice very quickly, go back to verse 1 with me, and I want you to notice the term, basically, hearken diligently. I want you to notice that term there in verse 1, and it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently. Okay, this is not just a simple, I hear you, but this is a, I hear you, and I'm going to do something about it, and I'm going to do something about it with passion. It's a, they're going to obey the command diligently. Not just because they have to, but I believe because they want to. Okay, so if my kids are, if I tell my kids to clean their rooms and they're doing it diligently, it's probably because they're probably not going to get a snack until they're done cleaning their room. Okay, because they're going to, so they're going to do it because they want something out of it. They want to be, uh, uh, have that reward afterwards. Or maybe, I doubt this, they would just do it because they love us so much that they would just love to serve us and do whatever it is that they need to do to make us happy. That's probably not the case, but that's, they're, they're doing something diligent. If I just said, go clean your room and you better have it done or I'm going to punish you, they're probably not going to do it so diligently, right? 
They're just going to throw stuff in the closet and get it done and over with so they don't, they don't get their, their punishment. These are all things that we need to pay attention to in the scripture. The fact that they need to hearken diligently. So the first thing that I want you to understand this morning is that obedience requires humility. Obedience requires humility. Hear me out, understand this, and take this with you. Obedience requires humility. For the type of obedience that we're talking about, the obedience that, listen, I want to hearken diligently. I want to do it according to your will. I want to, I want to please you. I'm looking forward to the blessing. Obedience requires humility. Humility is needed. Someone must humble themselves to the will of another person. Okay, so for instance, my children. My children must humble themselves to my will. Right? Because they're obeying diligently. They're hearkening diligently. Hey, listen, Dad, I understand that you want this done, but I want to do it this way. I want to get this done. I want to go outside and play. I want to do this. I want to do that. Listen, it's not about their will. It's about my will at that time. And if they really, really, really want to please me, and they really, really want their quote-unquote reward at the end, they're going to do this diligently. They're going to humble themselves under my authority. Can we all agree to that? Can we all understand that? Okay, obedience requires humility. Here the children of Israel need to humble themselves to the will of God. God has given them at this moment hundreds if not thousands of commandments all the way through the book of Deuteronomy. And they, none of them are easy to fulfill. None of them are like, oh yeah, that, that will be just a piece of cake. Some of them are like, hey, if your neighbor's uh, cow gets stuck in a pit and you see it happen, you have to go help. That's not easy, especially on a Sunday afternoon, is it? That stinks on a Sunday afternoon. Oh, that guy just broke down on the side of the road. What a bummer for him. And whoa, just keep going. No, you, you need to stop. And those are some of the commands that we see. So listen, these are not natural things. And so they, they're going to take some humility. Listen, I need to get over myself and I need to obey and com- commit myself to the will that God has for me. These are things that they were supposed to live and they were supposed to act. And in order to obey them diligently, they would have to humble themselves and submit to the will of God for their lives. Let me illustrate. Jesus Christ. Go with me to Philippians chapter 2. Keep your finger here in Deuteronomy 28. Go with me to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, look at verse 5. Not an unfamiliar passage to us here this morning. The Bible says this, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Now watch. Who being in the form of God... Thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Watch, verse 7. But made himself of no reputation. Took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he what? Humbled himself. Stay with me. And became obedient. Good. You see that, right? Humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. You see, Jesus Christ had to humble himself in order to obey God the Father. In fact, we we can see it so easily in the Garden of Gethsemane. 
He's there in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's praying, nevertheless, let the, excuse me, he says, let this cup pass from me. That's my will. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. He humbled himself and became obedient. So listen, if God gives you commands, and we know that we have commands in the New Testament, we know that there are things that we need to do. In order to obey those commands, what you are doing is you are humbling yourself. Pride cometh before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. You, I believe that pride is one of those things that separates us from God. And so if you want to know God and you want to be like God, then you must humble yourself in obedience to him. In fact, Jesus, the only place that we really see him describe himself, he says, for I am meek and lowly in heart. He's humble. He's humble. So obedience requires humility. The second thing that I want you to see back in Deuteronomy chapter 28 is very simply, again, this hearkening diligently, this obedience with passion. Obedience brings blessing. Obedience brings blessing. Look at verse 2. And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee. It, 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 they're going to come on thee, and they're going to sweep you up off your feet, and it's going to be awesome. They're going to overtake you. That's not like, I'm just going to dabble a little blessing on you. That's like, oh my goodness, I'm in a flood of blessing. Okay, so the blessings will overtake thee if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Okay, so this type of obedience, not only does it require humility, it brings about blessing. Now, listen, we've spoken about blessing. We've spent a lot of time on blessing. There is no question here that if you obey God diligently, then God will give you innumerable blessings. That's a good thing, okay? You can be excited about that. You can be thankful for that. You can expect that. That's a wonderful thing. I don't think we should serve God just because of the blessings he gives us. But it's no doubt a wonderful icing on the cake. Now conversely, if you don't obey diligently, then you will receive cursing. You can go down into chapter, chapter 28 and look in verse 15 and further and see the cursings that you'll receive. So again, as we talked several weeks ago, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. If you obey me, I will bless you innumerable. And he gives very specific blessings. If you disobey me, I will curse you. And he gives very specific cursing. I want to take you back to Philippians chapter 2 though. Go back to Philippians chapter 2. Look at verse 9. We finish with chapter, or chapter 2 and verse 8. Look at verse 9. Bible, let's read verse 8 again, and we'll, just to give us a little context again, and we'll jump back to verse 9. The Bible says, And being found in fashion as a man, he being Jesus, humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And because of that, wherefore, God also hath, what? Highly exalted him. And given him a name which is above every name. Here it is. Watch this, verse 10. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Of things in heaven 
and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, obedience, Jesus' obedience brought blessing to himself that every tongue should confess, every knee should bow. But not only did it bring blessing to himself, you know what it did? It brought blessing to the entire world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There's the blessing. You see, God's obedience brought blessing upon all men. Conversely, we know that Adam's disobedience brought a curse upon all men. We understand these things. We know these things. If you're Bible literate at all, you understand that. But this brings me to another Bible principle that I think is very important. You'll notice there in verse 9, the Bible says, Wherefore God also hath highly, excuse me, highly exalted him. The Bible principle comes from Luke chapter 14. He that humbleth himself shall be exalted. He that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Can you, can, are you getting the picture already? The picture is simply this. In order to obey God, you must humble yourself. In humbling yourself, you gain obedience because God says that he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Anybody who doesn't humble themselves, he exalteth himself. He does the work himself. He shall be abased. There's the cursing. Please understand this Bible principle, he that humbleth himself shall be exalted, is all throughout the Bible. You can see it. You can see it with Jesus Christ. You can see it with Paul. You can see it with all kinds of different people. You can see it with David. Those that humble themselves shall be exalted. We can see it with Jesus Christ. We can see it here with the children of Israel. I want you to jump down to verse 13. Deuteronomy chapter 28, sorry. Deuteronomy 28 and verse 13. I want you to notice this. Jesus, or excuse me, God says here, and the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail. So when you obey me, when you hearken diligently unto these things that I will give you, God will make you the head, not the tail. And thou shalt be above only, and thou shalt not be beneath. If that thou hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God, which I command thee this day to observe and to do them. So he says, listen, I'm going to put you up, up top. I'm going to make you the head, never the tail. I'm going to make you above everybody, never below anybody, if you will obey. Obey diligently. So if these people, these children of Israel would humble themselves to what God wanted them to do, God would always put them on top. Always. However, it is very important to whom we humble ourselves. Hey, this is somewhat of a side note. But he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. It is very important to whom we humble ourselves. Deuteronomy chapter 28, look at verse 14. God is very specific. 
And thou shalt not go aside from any of the words which I command thee this day, to the right hand or to the left, to go after, watch this, other gods to serve them. So there's an opportunity to humble yourself to something else, to an other God. There's an opportunity for you to put yourself under someone else's leadership. We talked about this on Wednesday night. We all want leadership. We all want to, be, uh, to follow something. And we, in this instance, can humble ourselves under many different things. But God says, no, 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 no. Humble yourselves to me, the things that I command you. God wanted to make it very clear that it was to him alone. First Peter chapter 5 and verse 6, the Bible says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Why? That he may exalt you in due time. You see, the wonderful part of this entire passage is the fact that if we will humble ourselves, not to just anybody, but to God and to God alone, he will exalt us. He will bless us. He will give us wonderful things that we could never imagine. How are you excited about that? You don't seem very excited about it. you got to wake up, all right? Pay attention. This is exciting stuff. And you're thinking, okay, great. If you can't get excited about blessings, then there's something wrong with you. God wants to give you things that you could have never imagined. You think of the biggest thing that you could think of, the most wildest dream that you could ever think of, and God is able to give that to you and wants to fulfill your desires. God so badly wants to give these things to you. We have a promise of God that if we will obey diligently, we shall be exalted. Based upon your action thus far, I think we believe that. But maybe you're thinking, oh, I've kind of already done that. I'm not seeing an overabundance of these blessings that you speak of. Perhaps that's true. But can I ask you this question? If God is true, which he is, and he says, if you will humble yourselves before me, I will exalt you. If you will obey diligently the commands that I give you, I will bless you. Innumerable. Then why don't we just obey all the time? Why don't we just see the blessings all the time? Why don't we... uh, Get excited about what God can do in our lives. Why don't we look at the land, uh, uh, the promised land, and go, man, that is a land flowing with milk and honey. Why do we have such a downward outlook about life? Why do we feel so defeated all the time? Why do we not feel this exciting blessing and exaltation that God has so promised us? Why don't we just humble ourselves and do exactly as God requires of us? I think the initial answer would be because of pride. Why don't we humble ourselves? Well, because of pride. And I believe that I'm 100% on board with that. However, it's just not good enough for me. 
it's just not good enough to say what? It's just pride. It 100% is, but there's something deep down, something more, a little more tangible that I believe we can drill down to. So I believe that we don't always obey God because of one simple word. It's not pride. It's control. Hey, now this is where you need to put your thinking caps on. We don't obey God because of control. Now, before we get too excited about control, before we go, yeah, I just want to control everything, or I don't want to control everything, I want to give you a different perspective on control. I believe God has given us a need a desire for a sense of control in our lives. Hear me out. A sense of control. Not actual control, but a sense of control. We all like to live in a controlled environment, don't we? Before you go, ah, where's he going with this, okay? Police officers. We enjoy when people get pulled over for going way faster than the speed limit. Because they're a danger to society, right? We enjoy that because we now can live in a controlled environment. We love some of the laws that our land has. You may not agree with all of them. But we love that people can't just go around murdering other people or stealing from them without being punished. Because we like to live in a controlled environment. We may be just don't enjoy some of the things that we aren't allowed to do, but we like living in that controlled atmosphere. We like the sense of control. We like the fact that people have to drive on the same side of the street. Can you imagine if everybody just drove wherever they wanted? Can you imagine if, I can't imagine because I see it often, if the street lights stop working, how chaotic that is. We were in Sarnia uh, on a Wednesday night for the Get Acquainted meetings, and there was a flashing amber light. What do you do at a flashing amber light, everybody? Proceed with caution. Do you stop? No, you do not. But yet everybody and their brother was stopping. It's chaos. I can't stand chaos. I like a controlled environment when people obey the rules and do what's right to do. So listen, we all enjoy a sense of control. We all enjoy that. Women, women, I believe all of you have a want and need a sense of security. It's a controlled environment. That's what that is. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 33, the Bible says this, that God is not the author of confusion. You see, God spoke the world into existence, and our, he, he made our bodies out of the dust to the ground, and it all works together. It's a controlled environment. When that thing gets out of control, when that thyroid starts acting up, or when your heartbeat starts messing around, you don't like that. You like it under control. That is an inbred, God-given desire for a need of a sense of control. Things are controlled around us. 
But I also believe that this sense of control has two parts to it. I believe the sense of control has two parts. The first part being power. The first part being power. Power is your ability to act. Your ability to act, your capability to produce an effect. So control, the sense of control has part of me in it. Right? I have a certain amount of duties that I have to do. When I'm driving down the road, I have to obey the rules. I can't just expect everybody else to obey the rules and not me. So I want to show you that here in Deuteronomy chapter 28. Look back at verse 1. The Bible says this, And it shall come to pass if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and do all his commandments which I have commanded thee this day. Okay, do you see that? We have a certain power, a certain responsibility that we have to do. Hearken diligently and do. Observe and do. Are, are you all with me? Give me a head nod or something. You're probably all still wondering, where is this going? I'm getting there. Okay? But just give me something that I know you're still with me. Okay? So we have something that in order to, to ha- maintain a controlled atmosphere, we have something to do. Hearken diligently, observe and do. Those are things that we are responsible for. The second thing is trust. Okay? So why do we hate driving in the winter? It's not because of us. Because we're in control. Right? It's all those other people out there, right? Amen. Amen. Okay? So there's a certain amount of trust that everybody else is going to do what they're supposed to do. Trust is confidence in the ability of another. Trust is confidence in the ability of another. Look at the end of verse 1. You observe and do that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. Do you see it? So there's the power that I have and there's the trust that I have to give God. That God's going to do what he said he would do. So control, this sense of control, this atmosphere of control has two parts to it. Remember our coin? I made a coin. Don't laugh at it. It's a canning jar lid. Okay? Power and trust. Power and trust. You see, there are two sides to the same coin. There are two sides to the exact same coin. The fact of the matter is this. If I do my part, power, I'm trusting God to do his. If I do my part, God will do his part. If I do my part, God will do his part. If I do my part, God will do his part. Are you getting the picture? If I do my part, God will do his part. And hello, we've got a controlled atmosphere that God has given us and that God wants to do. Let me ask you a question. Which of these is better? You all have an opinion, don't you? Which of these is better? Is power better? Or is trust better? Good answer. It may not be the right answer. Here's the deal. I believe neither of them 
are more important. Is heads more important than tails? No. Is power more important than trust? If you have an opinion, I understand that. And I want to prove to you why I believe that. In fact, I believe it's actually a bad thing if we get power or trust out of balance. Out of balance. I want to give you something to think about here. Choice is the vehicle for exercising control. I want to exercise my control. I, I want to I show that I have control of the situation. Well, then you have a choice. This is from the National Library of Medicine on a, in an article on why do we feel the need to control everything. Because there's an innate desire in us that God has given us for a controlled atmosphere. And choice is the vehicle for exercising that control. Choice is the vehicle. So God knew that we had this need. God created us this way. He gave us the opportunity to exercise our control by giving us choice. Here's the choice. The choice to use my power or the choice to trust. The choice to overuse my power and not trust or the choice to underuse my power and basically sit there and do nothing. I'm almost finished. But let me illustrate. I want to take you back to Adam and Eve. Garden of Eden. God had given them power. You know what their power was? Hey, you can do whatever you want. Make sure you dress and keep the garden. You can do anything you want in the garden. You can eat of any tree. This is your power. You can do anything you want with it. It's yours to do with. However... Don't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Trust. If you eat of the knowledge, tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. Okay? So they had power that they could or could not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and they had to trust that God was going to do his part. We know the story. Satan comes in, and what does Satan attack? Satan attacks only one side of the coin. You know what he said to them? Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day that ye eat, ye shall be as God's power. Ye shall be as God's. Knowing good and evil, he plays on the power and he says, listen, you can't trust God. You need to give yourself more power. You can't trust God. You need to give yourself more power. You need to live in more power. You need to do more. And they got out of balance. You see, when the more they tried to exercise their power, the worse it got. The more they tried to use their power, the worse it got. You see, this is somehow how we have sometimes how we approach the choices that are presented before us. We take our coin of control and we flip it. Oh, I guess I'll just use my power this time. We walk up to the next choice, flip the coin. Oh, I'll trust God for this one. And we play this game. We have a little fun with it. 
Eh, you know, it could be this way, and it depends on how I'm feeling this day, and it is it, it, all kinds of circumstances surrounding it. But let me ask you, which one is better? You see, if you want to have control and live in a controlled atmosphere, remember, control is the coin. So instead of flipping the coin and saying, I'm paying for, pow- paying for it with power today. That's like saying, hey, I'm going to put this in and I'm just going to use the heads side. I want the tail side back though. That's never going to work. We don't do that. And so we approach this problem and say, here, here's power. I'm going to do it in my own strength today. Or here, I'm trusting in God and I'm going to sit here and do nothing until God does something. And listen, these are not the correct. These are out of balance. Hear this, your life is never more in control than when you are obeying God and trusting him the results. I'm going to obey God. I'm going to use my power to obey him and I'm going to trust. You know what you're saying? Here's the whole coin. Not one side or the other. Here's the whole coin. Your life is never more in control than when you are obeying God and trusting him with the results. Never more in control. I don't care how bad things get. I don't care how much cancer you have. I don't care how much financial burden you have. I don't care what relationship problem you're in. Your life is never more in control. Because the Bible says that God gives a peace that passes all understanding. Because you're giving them both. You're giving God, the, or giving the problem the entire coin. You know what you're doing? You're saying, here, I'm going to do everything I possibly can do about this problem, and then I'm going to give the rest to God. God's going to follow up behind me. And you know what? The children of Israel are in this exact same position. They're getting ready to conquer the promised land. You know what God says to them? The first thing that they have to do, walk. Walk around this city walls. Just, just walk around it seven times. That's their power. They had to do something. But they had to trust God for the results. When they gave the problem, Jericho, the entire thing, the walls came crumbling down. Listen, I don't care what comes. Your life is never more in control than when you're obeying God and trusting in him. Conversely, your life is never more out of control than when you're just trying to do it by yourself. When you're just trying to do it by yourself. Oh, well, I, I got to have more money, so I'm going to go get another job, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and I, I, I'm, I can't do it anymore, and I'm just, oh, I, I, there's got to be something I can do, and you just keep Pushing and pushing and pushing, and you do all you can, which is great, but you never flip it over. Or you just say, oh, I don't have to do anything. I don't, I don't have to do anything. God's just going to take care of everything. God's just going to, I'm just going to sit back. God's going to make my life a breeze. You're getting yourself out of balance. We all love control. But when God says, listen, I want to give you something to do. I want you, 
I want you so badly to hear my commandments, to hearken diligently unto them, observe and do them. If you'll do that, if you'll do that, I will give you blessings that you can never imagine. I will give you things that you can never dream of. Listen, it doesn't matter if your life is simple or complicated. If you don't follow that formula, your life will be out of control. Everything will be out of control. Things will be slipping through your fingers that you just didn't know could slip through your fingers. I thought I had that in the bag. I thought I had that in my hip pocket. I thought I was controlling that. Your life will never be more out of control. And when you try to control it yourself, you see, if we'll just humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, he will exalt us in due time. So the fact of the matter is this. If we will simply obey God and do our part, and trust him for the rest, our life will never be happier than if we trust and obey. It's so interesting. It's so popular a thing that they wrote a song about it. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Listen, you can try to control and manipulate and force and do whatever you want and do it your own way. Go ahead and try. You can try to get to heaven on your own way. You can fight and scheme and work and do whatever you want to do to get yourself up into the clouds, to be exalted to heaven. You'll never do it unless you humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. You can try to conquer whatever you're trying to go through right now. You can try to fight. You can try to scheme. You can try to do whatever you want. But you'll never do it unless you humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. He will exalt you in due time. Then you can conquer through Christ. So let's close it out. Do what God asks of you to do. Trust him for the results. And your life will have a sense of control. And you will have a power that you've never experienced before because you'll have Christ on your side and he will fight for you.